0: This is I Doubt It with Dollamore with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, we are back. Morning on a Wednesday for your Thursday pleasure. This is I Doubt It and I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Sitting across from me, eating potato chips as quietly as any human being has ever attempted is Brittany Page.
1: I am very successful at eating the potato chips quietly.
0: <laughs> it, well, I'm, I'm less shocked by the eating of the potato chips than I am the quietness with which you are digging your hand into that Trader Joe's South African blended spiced potato chip bag.
1: Now, let's talk about these chips because they are delicious. (laughs) And here's what's so delicious about them.
0: I'm not trying to give a commercial for Trader Joe's potato chips. I'm trying to understand and ascertain the level of ninja skill you have to dip into that bag with zero crumpling sound.
1: When I need some snacks, I'm going to get some snacks. And I know I have to be quiet right now, so I'm going to get my snacks quietly. Right. Now, back to how delicious the potato chips are. They taste like barbecue chips, but without the sweetness.
0: I would agree with that assessment.
1: Which is perfect because sweet potato, I mean, sweet barbecue crap is gross.
0: Yes, I doubt it with Dalamore brought to you by Trader Joe's South African potato chips ever. You, hey, hey, I'm doing my little commercial spot and you're you're passing out on me.
1: OK, I, I did pass out on you. No <laughs> one knows what that means, though. Oh,
0: that's true. OK, let me explain to the audience what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's something dumb that Brittany and I do to one another.
1: And it originated with me.
0: She claims, but no, I don't it did. So. It's whenever I'm talking ad nauseum, or she's getting bored, or she doesn't want to listen to what I'm saying, and this goes both ways. I'll do the same thing. We will feign like we're passing out, like <laughs> like we slump over in our chair with our mouth open, like we're asleep,
1: with our head going on our shoulder to our right. side, <laughs> right.
0: with our eyes, eyes closed. closed. Right. <laughs> so we do it all the time to one another. Like I've even done it like while I'm driving. And it looks like I'm just slumped over. I mean, I'm looking out of one eye, but it's a a fun little game we play with one another.
1: And it's really fun because everyone should start doing it to everybody. Because if someone's saying something you don't like or whatever...
0: It works under so many different circumstances.
1: It's the perfect way to shut someone down that's saying something stupid. Yes. Just fall asleep.
0: The bummer is, in this format, it doesn't quite work as well because... No one can fucking see you, except for me.
1: That is correct. So that was dumb on my part. So maybe I the audience
0: should be passing out on you for your dumbness.
1: <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> that probably happens often.
0: Well, good. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. This is uh, Thursday for you. Wednesday for us. Um I won't say that there's a lot of stuff going on, because... Brittany hates it, but there's a lot of stuff going on everybody. Just between just between you and me.
1: What's going on? I hope everyone knows that I'm passed out right now. <laughs> uh
0: first we want to get to a little bit of listener communication. We had a, a Facebook post on our wonderful teeming with information Facebook page, uh the I doubt it with Dollar More show page. And caller Allison left us a little message.
1: Yes. So she says, thanks for playing my call on Monday's show. The reason I don't have a Boston accent, thank God, is because I'm from Pennsylvania. When Brittany gets too busy with grad school, I'm happy to Skype in and take over as co-host. Ha. Calm down, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) You're getting too excited. No,
0: I think that she's on to something.
1: I will never get too busy for the show. It's
0: either you're going to get too busy with grad school or your mouth is going to be too full of delicious Trader Joe's South African flavored potato chips.
1: I can do all those things Mm. and the podcast.
0: Or maybe, no, I'll, I'll reserve. I'll reserve comment.
1: All right. So she also attached a picture to her wall post.
0: Yeah, this I found very interesting.
1: And it's of a Mini Cooper with a sign in its back window that says, Learning Stick Shift, please be patient. And she says, I've attached a photo and would like your opinions. Legitimate excuse for poor and or dangerous driving or just another mass hole.
0: hole is a common term for Boston or Massachusetts drivers.
1: I did not know that. Yeah.
0: It it it's not something she made up. It's actually something that is it's pretty common.
1: How dare you try to take that from her?
0: I don't. We should have something for California, other than prick.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: But as far as the, I mean, do you have any thoughts on uh, or opinion on the photo?
1: Well, so when I started driving regularly, my first car was not a stick shift, but my second car was, and my first car only lasted for a couple months when I was sixteen. So when I really started driving, my second car was a stick shift, mm-hmm. and I didn't have anyone to teach me, so I had to teach myself. And Yikes. On my first real day of driving out and about in Meridian, Idaho, um I suburb had suburb of Boise. I had to make a right turn onto a busy street off of a busy street, and someone came up behind my vehicle right up on my ass. And I couldn't go because my car was going to go back a little bit. Right, right. And it was especially going to go back because I was just learning how to drive it that day.
2: Right.
0: Well, it's also not something you do even to an advanced, seasoned, manual driver.
1: Right. This is the reason you're supposed to leave quite a bit of room when you stop behind cars. Well,
0: isn't, isn't the, the rule of thumb that you should be able to see the bottom of the back tires yes. from the driver's seat? Yes. For sure, that's on a on a flat plane. If you're up uphill, it should probably be even more.
1: Which it was a little bit uphill, so I just didn't go. Right. I I put my. My car in neutral And I just sat there I'm like you know Screw this dude behind me He was he was pissed He couldn't believe That I wasn't going Eventually People started going Around him And then he reversed And then went around me Right So that freed up room Behind me But So I kind of get Why this guy is You know Putting a sign there Saying please be patient Because drivers are Terrible and mean And aggressive And he's probably Just trying to save himself Some attitude
0: That's what Parking lots are for at one in the morning to drive around and learn how to drive a stick. If that sign has been on that car for more than six hours, that guy's a dick. So. Because I shouldn't be inconvenienced and the general public should not be inconvenienced by his fucking training wheels. Right. And the, the general public shouldn't be inconvenienced by your fucking training right. wheels
1: either. Right. So that's weird because driving schools, I mean, why do they not just... Conduct driving school in parking lots. Right.
0: Cause driving schools use manual transmission automobiles to teach teenagers uh, how to drive.
1: Yeah. So the only thing that's a problem is the manual driving, not the new driver that doesn't know how to drive oh, no, a no, car. There's no.
0: a, there's a curve. There's a different, there's a different aspect to learning how to drive with an automatic that is mildly inconveniencing relative to the, the, the manual transmission, which can be a fucking nightmare of a situation. The other night, coming home, I was coming back from Huntington Beach and driving back through the neighborhood. I stopped there by the, uh, what used to be our, our very favorite taco space coming into the neighborhood. And there was a motorcycle who blasted by me, passed me on the right and w- went in front of me. And then at the four way stop, he- killed his bike and then he inconvenienced me That's different than being trepidatious a little slow to react um cautious stalling your car and snarling what could be you know traffic is different than just being kind of a dumb shit
1: I don't agree. Oh, well. If you stall your car, it takes two seconds to start it back up and get your act together. Then I've tell done it. to the I've, motorcycle. Done it, I've done it many times. <laughs> I've done it many times when I was learning how to drive. I would stall my car and just quickly turn it back on and get going. So
0: you think that sign is... How long is that sign appropriate to have in the back window?
1: I don't... Two days.
3: <laughs> so I'll why, tell you what. I feel like... This,
0: hang on. Why is this person not required or is the onus not on them... To be in a, in a fucking empty parking lot in the middle of the night to learn how the clutch works, how to time the clutch and how much gas to put on. Why is it not on them that they need to just freely roam through traffic, inconveniencing other drivers who have shit to do? Because Lives to live.
1: The best way to learn is to be in the environment in which you're going to be Driving regularly. So you're
0: discounting any obligation whatsoever on this Mini Cooper? No, of course
1: it would be helpful to do that. When I was learning how to drive my stick shift, I also started out in my neighborhood. I started out in an area where not a lot of traffic was. But eventually, I had to go out on the road. I had to start using my car. I had to go to work. I had to go to school. But
0: but by that time, you knew how to drive a a, a, a stick shift.
1: Well, not very well because I was still stalling my car and screwing up and making mistakes.
0: Do you feel like you needed a sign?
1: No, but I'm sure a sign would have prevented that D-hole from getting right up on my bumper (laughs) the first day I was out on the roads.
0: All right. Well, Allison, I I
1: just want to say I feel like I won this argument. One you do. because of the You'd really decrease do. in fluid speaking that occurred a couple oh. of minutes ago, oh. and then also just because of the way it ended just now. All so right. thank well, you, everybody. No, thank I tell you. you. What.
0: Here's what we do. You need to go <laughs> oh, no, on no, to, no, to no, fucking no, Survey no. Monkey or whatever <laughs> you do, and you need to create a survey and have the audience determine who won this argument, who's correct. And who is incorrect, Brittany, uh, about this particular topic?
1: We'll see if I do that.
0: That's probably not going to happen, is it?
1: Well, I know that Burt Reynolds is on my side, so.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. Hi, Burt. Burnt. burnt. <laughs> I on. don't know. I just, I don't know what Jesus happened. Jesus right. Christ. Well, moving on into other news, we're not going to waste the entire fucking show. We're almost 13 minutes in talking about goddamn stick shifts. Um... There's a picture that has been released, and I'm not sure what news agency or even if it is a news agency that released this photo of Obama saluting a Marine coming off of Marine One, not Air Force One, Marine One, the helicopter. Um, and he's saluting with his right hand, which is proper. But inside of the salute, he's holding a cup of coffee while he's saluting.
1: Right. So is this a problem?
0: Well, I mean, let's let's get into what the controversy is. And then I will make my, I will make the, I'll be the arbiter of this particular controversy and settle it once and for all.
1: Okay, well, the left is saying it's not a big deal. The right is exploding with rage, <laughs> saying it's extremely disrespectful.
0: Of course they are.
1: And that he shouldn't have done it. So I've seen further discussion about it. And some people have been bringing up a book that Rachel Maddow wrote, and Mm -hmm. I cannot confirm that what I've been seeing from her is actually, or what I've been seeing from other people is actually from her book, because I tried to Google the excerpt, and it didn't come up as...
0: That's fine. So, what you're about to read is unconfirmed actually from her, but it's claimed to be from her.
1: Right. So... Ronald Reagan is known as the first president that started saluting uniformed officers. Yeah,
0: he started the trend going forward.
1: And apparently one of his military aides, a Marine officer named John Klein, worried that Reagan's new ritual was inappropriate, and he voiced his concerns directly with the president. Supposedly, Maddow writes, Soldiers were supposed to salute their president. The president was not supposed to salute the soldiers. No modern president, not even old General Eisenhower, had saluted military personnel. It might even be, well, sort of improper. Reagan seemed disappointed at this news. Klein suggested he talk to the commandant of the United States Marine Corps and get his advice. His advice ran something like this. You're the goddamn president. You can salute whoever you goddamn well please. (laughs) So Ronald Reagan continued saluting his soldiers, and he encouraged his own vice president and successor, George H.W. Bush, to do the same. And every president since has followed. And that's it. Now all the presidents do it because it is the theater of the office.
0: I think I'm just going to assume that Rachel Maddow wrote that. That's just going to be my assumption. Because it doesn't seem out of line with something that she would think or say. One, it gives her a chance to shit on Reagan a little bit, which I think is stupid. But
1: Well, how is that negative toward Reagan?
0: Well, because it's the theater of the office. Oh, right. It's not that he really respects and admires those people who serve in the military. It's the theater of the office, which I think is disin- I think it's shitty. I think it's not giving the president the, the benefit of the doubt that he's doing an earnest thing. But that's neither here nor there. What I want to talk about is the president saluting the troops and for them to say that the troops are there to salute him and him not to salute the president or the troops are there to salute the president and the president is not there to salute the troops. Um There's a story. Any Marines out there may have heard this story and they'll appreciate it. Um Chesty Polar. Um General General Polar was a was it he's the the a legendary marine who is the, the highest decorated marine. He has 5 Navy crosses which is the award just below Medal of Honor.
1: Aren't all the bulldogs that they have named the, that's, Chesty? That's
0: right, that's right. So Chesty Polar there's it's I, this might be just lore but I I believe it's relatively um factual. He 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 happened upon a young lieutenant standing with a private one evening, and the private was standing there saluting. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. Saluting after each good evening, sir. Salute. Salute over and over and over while the, the lieutenant just sat sat there. Chesty Polar walks up and says, Um, what what's going on here, Lieutenant? And the lieutenant says, well, as I walked by this uh, this private, sir, uh, he failed to give me the proper military honors, and he didn't salute me. So I'm having him teach him a lesson about military honor, and I'm having him salute me over and over. And Chesty Puller thinks about it, and he says, Well, it seems to me that proper military procedure and military uh, uh, honors would be that when a salute is rendered, that a salute is returned. So he proceeded to have this lieutenant he had the the private continue to salute the lieutenant but then after every single salute from the the private he had to return it good evening sir good evening private good evening sir good evening private over and over so it, it's not that they're there just to uh to salute and a salute isn't to be re- returned right so that's part of it but the other part is he's a civilian and george washington set the precedent when he stepped down as the, the general, the commanding general of the, of the, uh, the revolutionary forces, he stepped down and became the commander in chief. And it's a very specific thing that our founding fathers did to have a civilian in charge of the military. Because even in modern day coups and shit that goes on geopolitically, like in Egypt, let's say, with the Arab Spring, the military took over and they were running the country. And that happens all the time when there's a military coup. Well, th- we didn't want that. We didn't want th- any fucking part of that. So we had a civilian in charge of the military. That's why he's the commander in chief. So he is a civilian, but he's still the commander in chief. And he, I think the the commandant of the Marine Corps at the time had some very sage advice that if he wants to salute, he can fucking salute because he's the president of the United States. However, I think that they're, if they're going to be saluting, they should look up a little bit of information to know that to have a dog in your arms while you're doing it, like George W. Bush did, or to have a coffee cup in the same hand in which you're using to salute, that's a problem. And it's, it's dumb, for one, but if someone in the military was to do that, they would have their fucking head handed to them, and they would be chastised incredibly hard, because it's it's not respectful. Right. So, I'll give him a pass, because Obama has zero military experience, never fucking served. And I'll even give George W. Bush a pass, because he was in the fucking Air National Guard for about 15 minutes. <laughs> so... I mean, we haven't had a president having served in the military, I think, since George H.W. Bush. Because Clinton certainly didn't fucking serve in the military. Right. It was George W. Bush's dad who happened to be the youngest commissioned naval fighter pilot in the history of the Navy. Yeah. At, like, 17, he was fucking flying sorties and shit. Fucking awesome.
1: It's taking care of biz right there. That is
0: taking care of biz. So, anyway... I'll give him a pass. I don't think it's that big a deal. It certainly just proves that we've had a slow fucking news day, even though ISIS, oh, excuse me, ISIL. Right. ISIL, um, is getting their dicks bombed off in Syria. Yeah. Speaking of ISIL or ISIS, as we previously referred to them, um, it looks like a couple episodes ago, we talked about the woman in Florida who wants to be, who wants the news media and everyone else to refer to Isis as ISIL because her first name is Isis and she wants to protect everyone who has the name Isis from bullying, I guess, and, and just general shittiness of people. It looks like she's going to be on the show one week from today. Yep. Yeah. So look forward to that. We will talk to her uh, in depth.
1: And if you have any questions, yeah, send them in. If,
0: definitely. If you have any questions for the ISIS lady, ISIS Martinez is her name. Uh, certainly shoot them to us or call in with some voicemails. 657-464-7609. That's 657-464-7609. You have some news for us about a white supremacist, an active, loudmouth white supremacist, who's running for senate in Kentucky, do you not?
1: I do. So his signs that he's putting up all over the place say, with Jews we lose. <laughs> and just as a reminder everybody, it's 2014.
0: Yeah. It, well, it's also, but it's Kentucky, so it's more all right, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, like, I get more, more like 1914.
1: Right. So his name is Robert Ransdell, and he's a write-in candidate for the Senate in Kentucky. And he's apparently just bombarding the community with these signs, with Jews, we lose.
0: That, that's the whole campaign slogan?
1: I, I guess so. Wow. It's pretty convincing, I guess.
0: <laughs> Maybe in Kentucky.
1: And... He's saying that online he's had a lot of positive feedback. We're going to find out what kind of feedback we get once we go out and take it to the people here in the state of Kentucky. So I guess he's going to go out and start saying this message to groups of people which doesn't seem like it's gonna go over very well his name is not gonna appear on the ballot because like we said he's a write-in candidate and he's the coordinator for the national alliance which is a white nationalist political organization characterized by the southern poverty law center as a neo-nazi group he is technically running against the incumbent republican mitch mcconnell (laughs) and democratic (laughs) challenger allison lundergan wow Right.
0: Well, good luck, uh, Robert Ransel. <laughs> what a goddamn moron. With Jews, we lose, Brittany. I he, hope you know that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty disappointing. Apparently, he has said things um, at meetings with like journalism students. He said there is an organized and ongoing war against white people, and he decried the fact that white people are constantly under attack by black criminals. Ugh. So
0: But he, where do the Jews come in?
1: Well, white supremacists also hate Jews. <laughs> they they are not a fan of any, you know, races other than whites. Other than
0: whites. But what flavor of white though? Because Italians, they're whites, Irish, they're whites. I mean pretty much There's lots of whites. Is there a particular flavor that they they like over another? Or have they not really thought about it that much? You
1: know, I wouldn't think that Ransdell has it together that much to give a position on that. But we do know that he hates gays, African-Americans, immigrants, and
0: Jewish people. Even the white gays. I
1: I would assume so, yeah. Mm. And his platform includes stopping immigration entirely until the economy improves Halting the tolerance and promotion of the sickness of the nation, homosexuality.
0: Oh, right, right.
1: And protecting the Second Amendment. According to Ransdell, if you want to keep your firearms, you had better also support the immediate annihilation of racial integration in America because the savage and uncivilized nature of most blacks will soon lead to laws that severely restrict or ban firearms.
0: I'm dying to to follow the exit polls and the, the voting results for the this Senate race in Kentucky to find out just how shitty he does in the race.
1: So I also want to say this, part of what I just read. It's a Daily Beast article. The Daily Beast reached out to Ransdell and asked him if he's ever been diagnosed with a mental illness. They say that he responded with an anti-Semitic term a Yiddish word, and an accusation about rhinoplasty, which is a nose job.
0: Right. Goddamn.
1: And he said, quote, Before I let you in on whether or not I have one, why don't you kindly inform me of who removed the hook from your schnoz first? Promise to get back and answer your inquiry. Really, I promise.
0: Maybe we should get him on the show.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you have any questions you would like to ask him or thoughts you would like to share about his platform, his website has helpfully provided a phone number where you can leave him a message. 1-800-488-1363.
0: 1-800-488-1363. I I think we should, uh, I don't want to say bombard, but uh, I think our audience should maybe call him and make some inquiries.
1: Well, here's the the interesting thing about white supremacists is they are against blacks because they deem them as trashy, ruining society,
3: poor, violent, ignorant. ignorant.
1: Yeah. And I mean, when have you ever seen an intelligent, <laughs> <That> is... professional, <laughs> you know, rich, educated white supremacist? Right. When
0: you think of white supremacists, you don't think of 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 a of a white collar. Uh,
1: no, you think of hillbillies, right? You <laughs> wake up, white people. You yeah. think of
0: just dirty, like barefoot, un- unwashed, yeah, redneck,
1: right? Yeah, and I mean, not all of them are like that for sure. There are some that are, you know, educated, unfortunately, and dress well. Yeah, you know, and they can paint a picture.
0: Few though,
1: but deep in their heart, they're hillbillies. <laughs> Because there's no other way.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) All right. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Robert Ransdell. Good to go. Goddamn. So listen, everybody. Don't, don't, don't skip ahead. I'm getting ready to to make a, I'm not going to talk about Amazon now. That'll be later, but I'm getting ready to talk about something that I've just put together and I want to talk to you about it. Um, we have just put together a Patreon campaign. To ask for our listeners support. Obviously, voluntary support. The show is free. The show will always be free. But I'm just reaching out to any of the to those of you who may want to, choose to, be interested in supporting the show financially, even a little, little bit. And I want to play a little clip to let you know kind of what Patreon is uh, for those of you who don't know.
3: Patreon lets fans become patrons of their favorite artists and content creators. It's different than Kickstarter because it's not about one big project that requires lots of funding. It's more for bloggers or YouTubers or webcomics, anyone who creates on a regular basis. Here's how it works. When you become a patron, you're agreeing to give an artist a tip of an amount you set every time they release a piece of content, whether it's a new song, a video, or a recipe. You can set a monthly maximum to make sure that you're always within your budget. Choose an amount, enter your payment information, and you're done. Becoming a patron allows you to view and post in the artist's stream. And in exchange for your support, artists offer additional patron packages, which might include monthly Google Hangouts, music production tutorials, pre-sale concert tickets, or anything they can offer as a way to say thanks. Patreon, empowering a new generation of content creators.
0: So that's what it is, and um, look, it's not a guilt trip. We're certainly not begging for money, but the show does cost money to produce, and it costs money to 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 host these files, uh, my the podcast on servers that you access, and every time it gets downloaded, it takes away from bandwidth, and uh, it takes many, many, many hours to put together the topics, to research the topics to schedule interviews, which we're going to be start doing a whole bunch more. So listen, I'm, I'm not guilting anybody into giving money. If you're not in a position to do so, or or fuck me, you don't want to, awesome. I'm not really talking to you then. <laughs> but for those of you who would like to give 50 cents an episode or 25 cents an episode, or for the big dogs out there that want to give 25 bucks an episode, that would be awesome. And it would really go a long way towards supporting this show. And we've put together a few different packages. I'm going to have a bunch of stickers printed up. They're going to be cool. Uh, we're going to be doing Google Hangouts or Skype sessions one-on-one with fans or listeners, as it were.
1: I What I really like about it is, like you said, you can choose the amount that you want to give. So we're not we're not putting it up on iTunes to have this thing be a paid podcast. It's right. still free. And it just is up to you if you want to give like you said twenty five cents fifty cents a dollar, you know whatever per episode,
0: right, and you could also like you said, set a monthly max,
1: yeah, so you never go over your budget that's right, if you want to give five dollars a month, then you can just put in there five dollars a month, and there you go that's your that's your maximum budget, and so I think it's really cool that it gives people an opportunity to give back to the stuff they really appreciate, really like. Right, and also it gives us a chance to, like you said, give stickers to people who participate in it, give other things back as well. In addition to just the podcast, that's right.
0: So anyway, if you'd like to check out the Patreon page, it's Patreon, P A T R E O N, Patreon dot com slash I doubt it with Dollamore, and interact with us there too. I mean, that would be a uh, we would really really appreciate it. it we uh, we appreciate the time. I was talking to somebody the other day about it and it's not just the time that we put into the show. I appreciate so much the time people put in listening right. to the show. Cause as much time as we put in, not just researching and recording and editing and everything that goes into this, th- that's great. But you know, I'm, i am I've chosen to do this, but I'm humbled by the fact that there are so many people out there, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out there who are taking time out of their days and time out of their weeks to listen to me and Brittany run our stupid mouths. And hopefully we bring you a little joy, make you laugh and inform your your views. Hopefully that would be great. And also moving the conversation forward as always is our paramount goal. So um, We love you. Patreon.com slash I Doubt It With Dollamore. Moving along from that, Pew Research did just did some uh, discrimination research. And they also included in that about what people's opinions are about churches and their involvement in public policy.
1: Right. So it's like a five-page document. They just released it. It's Religion in Public Life.
0: I love Pew Research.
1: And they... I think they do this regularly, maybe not once a year, but every couple of years or something, it's to so kind good. of just give us the landscape of what's happening with religion. And this survey included two thousand and two adults, uh, 18.: did
0: we, did we get this through Conrad Hackett? We did. he is he's If you want to follow a guy who puts out great information on Twitter through Pew Research, Conrad Hackett, just at conrad Hackett, and he's he's legit.
1: Right, he's my favorite. So the discrimination part of this research was really fascinating to me because those who belong to a particular group tend to be more likely than outsiders of that group to say their group faces significant discrimination in American society. So, for example, just in case that was kind of hard to follow, which it probably was, (laughs) evangelical Christians, right? Now
0: now listen, Hank, hold on to your seats, everybody. Because she's getting ready to drop a fucking bomb on you.
1: Evangelical Christians. 31% of evangelical Christians say there is a lot of discrimination against blacks.
2: Mm -hmm. Now,
1: 50% of evangelical Christians say there is a lot of discrimination against evangelical Christians.
0: (laughs) So there's a full 20% increase. In the number of evangelical Christians who who believe they themselves are being discriminated against, than there is the amount who think blacks are discriminated against.
1: Right. 31% say there's a lot of discrimination against blacks. 50% say there's a lot of discrimination against evangelical Christians.
0: That is wacky as fuck. That is amazing to me.
1: Well, what's weird to me is, I I mean, I want to talk to these people. I just want to talk to them and figure out why they think this. Because are they ever... I
0: I can tell you why.
1: Are they ever afraid to... Say I believe in God. Are they ever afraid to say I'm a Christian? You know, I remember when that Columbine thing happened and there was a story about a girl who I don't know if this actually happened. You'll have to, you know, refresh my memory because I was pretty young when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was asked if she believed in God and they were going to kill her if she said yes. Do you mm, remember this? I don't. I, I think it was like a fake story, right, a right. fake story going around to kind of convince people or get them emotionally attached to the issue. But I remember hearing it and I I was like, that's kind the, of...
0: the Saying that Dylan Klebold and the other kid were militant, murderous atheists. Right.
1: right. And they had asked someone if they believed in God and if they said yes, they were going to kill him. And I remember at the time I was like, oh, I would absolutely say yes, no matter what, because I, you know, was...
0: Listen, if I had a gun a to my head, if I had a gun to my head and they said, let's put it this way. If I was kidnapped by ISIS, I mean, ISIL, whatever we're calling them, and they said, convert or we're going to saw your head off. You can bet your fucking bottom dollar. I would be converting to Islam in about five seconds.
1: For sure. No, I get that point. I would have, I would say yes okay. regardless, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. saying I was going to say yes because at the time, I was like...
0: You're proud of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I was
1: feeling like that. I was young. He
0: died for you. You'll stand for him.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I was that into it, but I was just not wanting my head blown off. So I'm curious to ask (laughs) these people that think they're so discriminated against, do they ever feel like that? That they're going to be harmed? That they're going to be judged? That they're going to be terrorized because they're Christian or they believe in God? Well... In this country.
0: I would like to know if there's a single Christian in this country... Who thinks that they might not get a job if they let everybody know that they're a Christian? Because I can tell you this: I have certainly had conversations with my atheist friends, and I have had the thought in my head that when it's time for me to go get a conventional job, what am I gonna what am I gonna do about all the web content that's out there related to my atheism? Because it it is absolutely going to harm me in getting getting a job.
1: Right. And that's why I was also fearful to come out as an atheist, because how is that going to affect me in the future? And yeah. it's unfortunate that we need to feel this way, given the fact that atheism is nothing more than a lack of a belief in any gods. Right. But so- the,
0: fact of the, ma- the fact of the matter remains that there isn't a Christian in this country that is in fear of losing their job or not getting a job because of their religious affiliation. Right. So but, what are they it's afraid reversed of? First for those who don't have a religious affiliation.
1: Yeah. So what are these evangelical Christians talking about? They experience more discrimination than blacks. Well,
0: it it stems from this. It stems from Fox News. The war on Christmas. The oh, War right. Right. on Christianity. It, it it's that. That's where <laughs> it comes from. The war on
1: Christmas. It's so funny.
0: It's fucking dumb. It is dumb. Christmas is Christmas will never go away because it is a multi-billion dollar holiday. It's not Cinco de Mayo or 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 fucking St. Patrick's Day. It's goddamn Christmas. It is, it it is, cha-ching, it's fucking cash registers and dollar signs in retailers' eyes. It's never going away. There's no war on Christmas. Unless it's from the anti capitalists among us.
1: <laughs> right. So atheists were also surveyed, although they are a significantly smaller sample size than what would have been surveyed with the evangelical Christians. Right. So that's something to take into consideration. But well, it's because just... there's
0: fewer atheists.
1: Right. So just for fairness, I want to give what the atheists did for themselves and for blacks mm-hmm. 41% of atheists say that blacks have a lot of discrimination against them. Mm hmm. And then 36% of atheists say there's a lot of discrimination against the unaffiliated.
0: That, it went the other way. That surprises me. I thought it would be pretty even.
1: Right. So they think there's more discrimination for blacks than for the uh, unaffiliated. Well, there's
0: no real way to hide that you're black. There's a way to hide that you're an atheist just by not opening your fucking mouth.
1: Right. And so (laughs) blacks say, 82% of blacks say there is a lot of discrimination against blacks. And... I don't know which group you want to compare it with. Do you want to compare it with white evangelicals? Yeah, sure. They said that 36% of white evangelicals face a lot of discrimination. So Hmm. there you go with that. There it
0: is. Well, let's get into the churches and the the beliefs on whether churches should have influence in public policy.
1: So this is really shocking to me because the public is divided over whether or not churches should express political views.
0: I was surprised by it too.
1: And the data from 2010, this is the last time they pulled this, and the question was churches and other houses of worship should express views on social slash political issues, and 43% agreed, and then 52% said they should keep out of politics. Now, in twenty fourteen, only forty eight percent said they should keep out of politics, and forty nine percent said they should express their views. Hmm. It's so shocking to me because that is more than what says they should keep out of politics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what what are these people talking about? Absolutely.
0: Well, he, here's my thing, and I I'm okay with churches getting involved in politics and trying to to influence public policy. That's great. But we're going to charge you. We're, you're <laughs> going to start paying taxes.
1: Right. I mean, that's the price you need to pay. If you want to comment on it, feel with,
0: free. So I know this is becoming the, the I doubt it with Dallamore Pat Robertson hour. But he's at it again and uh this time it's related to this very topic.
3: Okay, hey, this is Wendy who said whose church are we? Are we God's church or the world's? Jesus said, "Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's." Taxes. Why are churches taking a handout from the government? The just shall live by the government or by faith?
2: Um, I don't know what handout you're talking about. We don't take a handout from the government. Uh, uh n- not paying taxes, it's your money. The fact the government doesn't take it away from you is not a government <laughs> handout and uh of uh, time immemorial what belongs to god is what belongs to god and that money in the church is given by people to the lord it doesn't belong to the government so that's not a handout to keep the government from taking it away from you uh... that mm-hmm. you know it's, I, th- I think we've got this liberal mentality that everything that you have belongs to the government and it's a benefit and privilege that they don't take it away from you that's the reverse. It belongs to you, and they shouldn't take what belongs to God. Okay, What's next? Right. Nice.
1: So he says that money in the church is given by the people to the Lord.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, Pat
1: Robertson, no, it's not. Okay, it's not lifted off the ground by the heavens and sucked into the sky. It's not being given to God. It's being given to you. How much are you worth, Pat Robertson? Yeah,
0: 200 to $800 million.
1: Right. It's being given to you
0: it it's so... There's going to be a time in this country, and it's coming soon, I would say, within the next 10 to 15 years, that the churches will be taxed. And even if the money is segmented and their missionary budgets are not taxed, but they need to open their books and they need to be clear about the money that they have. Because they are actively, aggressively affecting public policy And the voters, and they're no longer, they're not allowed to do that.
1: No, and he even said, he used the word, this liberal mentality, speaking negatively about liberals. Right. That's not your job. Right. As someone who is the head of a church influencing people.
0: Right, and the the head of a TV station that influences hundreds of thousands of people. Anyway, clearly, this MOOC needs to be taxed. He doesn't pay taxes.
1: Right. His CBN enjoys a tax-exempt status. Right. But the IRS did temporarily revoke that status for 2 years over the network's involvement in the 1988 presidential election.
0: That's right. He he ran for president in 1988, uh which was a hilarious hilarious attempt. He <laughs> he accused George H.W. Bush of releasing scandal, rumors, he he was being a, a, just a fucking baby about it. he wasn't he should have just manned up and acted like a fucking a politician. Instead, he was whiny and snivelly and just a little whiny bitch.
1: Well, I am not surprised by any of that information. <laughs> and last year, apparently, the documentary Mission Congo accused Robertson's tax exempt organization Operation Blessing of funneling donations to the pastor's diamond mining operation. Which, shocker, sounds pretty problematic, that but also l- not shocking.
0: That was last year?
1: Right. It's wow. The, it's the documentary called Mission Congo.
0: Mission Congo. We, we've got to check that out. Yes, we do. I mean, really, maybe review that on the show or get somebody who's involved in that on the show. That's awesome. Yes. Because I, I think Pat Robertson is, he is a terrible, terrible human being, um, only rivaled by guys like Benny Henn... And Joel Austin just raking, raking in the hundreds of millions of dollars with one hand while with the other hand trying to tweak public policy. Yeah. So, fuck him. Uh, speaking of fuck him and fuck this guy, truth wiener extraordinaire Brian Fisher had some things to say, speaking of influencing public policy, uh he had some things to say about immigration... And he thinks that our country should be run like the nation of Israel. And I don't mean the nation Israel modern day. I mean the nation of Israel from the Bible. And he believes that all immigrants should be forced, because apparently he believes the United States is a Christian nation, a, a godly theocracy. He believes that all immigrants should be forced, forced to convert to Christianity.
2: If we took our cue from, for our immigration policy today from what we see about the immigration policies that God established for the nation of Israel, then here would be some of the implications. Number one, those who came to our shores would be expected to adopt our religious values and our traditions. That would mean Christianity and not Islam, and they would leave behind their religion and their God, the religion of their homeland and the God of their homeland, they would leave them behind. That would mean leaving behind Islam and Allah. They would be expected to adopt our moral values, which are enshrined in the Ten Commandments, and not cling to the conflicting moral values of their native land, which would include Sharia law. They would be willing to give up Sharia law. They would not complain about people advertising bacon. They would not complain about the lack of halal foods in school cafeterias. They would not complain about the lack of halal foods in their prisons. This is a part of assimilating and adopting the values and the standards of the West. So if this were to happen, we would have one God, we would have one law, we would have one culture, and we would have one language.
0: So they wouldn't be allowed to complain about bacon being served in restaurants. He's hung up. First of all, he's fucking very obsessed with bacon.
1: Bacon is delicious. So I kind of get it.
0: I understand it too. It is, it's a scrumptious little treat. (laughs) But my fucking thing is, so they should, they wouldn't be allowed. So they wouldn't have the freedom of speech. The first amendment wouldn't apply to immigrants who wanted to complain about something he he just he has a very warped twisted and i believe twisted by christianity in his particular flavor of christianity it's it's a warped sense of what america is that it's not freedom for all and bring me your huddled masses and and our strength is 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 defined by our differences it makes us unique and different and strong. He's he's a hateful, bitter, shitty man, and I wish he would reflect on some of the things Jesus said that were not raging conservative nature. It was he was a liberal, he was the unwashed hippie, and 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 Brian Fisher would have been one of the Pharisees one of the people who hated Jesus. Anyway, let's move on. Let's go to the our, our final religion story for this hour because I don't want to inundate you and just make this the shitting on religion hour, but uh the BYU Idaho, it's a it's a satellite campus of BYU. The president of BYU Idaho in Rexburg, Idaho had uh some Well, to say that they're comical remarks would be an understatement. This fucking idiot opened his mouth and let some sewage spew out. And uh, what did he say, Brittany?
1: He said, he posted this on his Facebook page, by the way. (laughs) President of BYU-Idaho Facebook page. He says, the three things that caught my eye yesterday were pants that did not make it down to the ankle. Parenthetically, some hemmed off at four to eight inches above the ankle. Some pants rolled up that far. Faces of young men not clean-shaven, and shorts on campus. Parenthetically, mostly BYU eye shorts. Just remember to wear warm-ups. Ugh. He went on to say, The dress and grooming standards are one of those small things on which big things depend. Obedience in small things creates a spirit of obedience in all things.
0: So having a beard like Jesus is a bad thing. Having facial hair is disobedience in the small things.
1: They are gonna eventually just start raping people <laughs> with their level of disobedience. Well,
0: with all those sexy ankles showing, <laughs> what what choice do they have? Gonna, what choice are they going to have but go on a rape spree? Right. What is this? Is this guy like a fucking imam? Is he El Baghdadi from ISIS? I mean, uh, ISIL. Uh, Who is this guy that ankles now are turning dudes on? Has he never gone on the Internet (laughs) to see what kind of filth and trash is out there? He's worried about ankles.
1: You know, I don't think he has because maybe then he would concern himself with more important things. But, I mean, I do appreciate that the Mormon church, you know, talks about modesty and, and all those things. But
0: Is showing your ankles immodest?
1: That's what I'm saying. This is going a little far at it, this point.
0: It's one more reason, an item that really doesn't surprise me that they didn't allow blacks into the priesthood of their church until 1978. That's 1978.
1: So you're, you're just making it sound really bad again. <laughs> I just, I, why do you keep doing that?
0: It's this guy's living in a different fucking century.
1: Yeah. You know, I, ladies
0: they can do stuff now. They can have jobs and they can go to school. And well, if their ankles show, it's not a problem because no one's fucking turned on by ankles.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, I'm I know that all of the religions don't typically like each other or appreciate each other. Right. And this wanting to impose dress standards on people seems a little like another religion
0: it's not like they're going to classes in fucking bikinis they're wearing capri pants that's it
1: yeah that's it
0: or basketball shorts you know how turned on i get when chicks wear basketball shorts
1: well also (laughs) i'm sure he's talking about men as well because he's talking about young men are not clean shaven and
0: but it's fuck get with the times and it's not like ah you're just old and stodgy it's you're living in a different century. You're, you're not in tune. It's not just a generational thing. It's get your shit together and quit harping on things that don't fucking matter. Why don't you try to focus on things that are actually going to be impactful and change the, the minds and the hearts of the students for whom you have responsibility to teach.
1: Well, because at least these kids are in college and you know, going mo- to class. Yeah, but they're
0: Mormon kids. Of course they're in college and going to class.
1: That's oh the, well, that's not necessarily true. That's
0: the bene- most of the Mormons I know are
1: anecdotal,
0: highly educated. Oh, you really? You want to pull? let's pull some studies and find out? No, about I know. What I'm,
1: a- I'm making a joke.
0: Oh, that was really funny.
1: It's a funny joke that see I see how riled up I got. It's a funny joke I make when I just like to pretend like I'm wrong, but then I know that I'm gonna be wrong. So then I quickly tell a <laughs> joke to save myself from looking
0: wrong. All right. Well, we're going to drop that. If you would like to sound off about that, though, 657-464-7609, that is the number. Call, leave less than a three-minute voicemail, or text that number. Again, 657-464-7609. And let me talk about Amazon.com, which is on dollamore.com. I've kind of gotten the website unfucked. Can I say that? The website is kind of un... Oh, wait. Can you not talk because your mouth is full of potato chips right now? Is that what's happening?
1: No, that's not oh, at all what's happening. Oh, that
0: is fucking bullshit right now.
1: Okay, these chips are seriously delicious. <laughs> Just like barbecue without the sweetness. All right,
0: so listen. Um, I have kind of got the website figured out. And there's no way for me to put the sidebar with the Amazon link on the main front page. Because I bought a theme that apparently is fucking dumb. And I'm not going to name names. Wow. I'm not going to name names. Theme forest. And I'm not going to talk about the podcast theme that ended up being bullshit that I wasted money on. I'm not going to do that.
1: Wow. None of
0: that's going to happen.
1: It sounds like it's happening.
0: But when I messaged the guy about it, he was very unapologetic and just like, yeah, you can't do that. Which is fucking dumb because. He yeah, knows that's. He knows what we do is free and that we need to have method by which people go to the Amazon or whatever the affiliate pro- affiliate programs that people join. So
1: this is the first time I'm hearing about all this. If by I way. had
0: the guy's name, I would fucking drop it on the show. And by drop it on the show, I mean, I wouldn't drop it on the show. Fuck, I wish I had his name right now. All right. So anyway, listen, when you go to the show, the top right hand corner of the page, there's a contact Jesse and Brittany link. And right next to it is a support the show link. And on the support the show link you will find the Amazon.com link, and soon you will find the Patreon.com link. However, for now, Amazon.com, listen, if you want to buy a book or if you want to buy long pants or long socks so you're not showing off your sexiness, <laughs> then uh, that's where you do it.
1: Oh, I love the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Moving on to a story about vaccination rates and uh, the the instances of infection of previously eradicated diseases in rich neighborhoods and rich school districts in L.A.
1: Right. So it's gotten so bad in wealthy parts of Los Angeles that the vaccination rates are on par with southern Sudan. Wow. Right. Isn't that just unbelievable?
0: Unbelievable.
1: So... um Children's Hospital Los Angeles is at the front line with 72 whooping cough patients this year. And we watched the Nova documentary on PBS.
0: Unbelievable. Called Calling the Shots. Listen, if you can find it, if you have On Demand or any method by which you can find documentaries through PBS, Calling the Shots is the name of it. And like Brittany just said, and it is, if you want your heart to just wrench out of your chest... Watching a newborn baby with whooping cough, just struggling for its little life to breathe. Um, It is unbelievably sad, and it'll make you want to bring your kid down and get him fucking vaccinated ten times for whooping
3: cough.
1: Right. I mean, it was watching this little, beautiful baby just coughing, 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 and... Apparently, when they have whooping cough, they can cough so hard that it turns into vomiting and broken ribs, and the effects of the coughing can become much more serious. So, it's a problem. And, I mean, this was something that was gone because of the DTaP vaccine. And, is that what what you call it? Yeah, yeah. And now we're seeing it come back because of PBEs, which are personal belief exemptions.
0: Right, which let me tell you something it, it is there is a movement afoot, and it is led by many, not just the whack jobs like Jenny McCarthy, and not just the the morons like kristen Cavalieri. I've read too many books it is It is led by people of more import and influence, for instance, this week on Glenn Beck's show. Ugh, He has like a round table. It's like a scene out of the fucking sitcom Friends, and they're all sitting on couches. And, well, this is what happened.
3: I found this phenomenal. Wealthy L.A. schools, the wealthiest Beverly Hills areas, now have vaccination rates that are as low as South Sudan's. Because the parents there are opting out of vaccinating their children because it's not natural. It could, you know... They fear autism. They fear That's Blen- Glenn
0: Beck clapping.
4: Yeah,
3: but they're having thing. a uh, big uptick in whooping cough and all these diseases. I'm torn. Why are you I'm, up- t- <laughs> I'm
4: torn. I mean, halfway, halfway, <laughs> just to piss you off. But the <laughs> other half is <clears throat> I think that there is a lot to be said for this vaccination crap. It is. It is. I, I have no I idea.
3: Sorry, go ahead. I know. You don't believe in vaccinating?
4: No, I didn't say that. Okay. I said I think there's a lot to be said for... Um, Saving lives? No, being cautious? Being cautious it. on what we're jamming into our children's arms mm-hmm. by law all the time.
3: Right. Okay. Yeah. Do do care? Care? I mean, so I'll go for, I, mean I got it. Calming. We
4: eradicated smallpox. We got it. But there's a lot of stuff. I gave my kids the vaccination. But there's a lot of stuff... That we're now, we, we don't know what we're dealing with. I mean, doctors are so arrogant. And I speak with a little bit of experience here. They will pump you full of stuff and say, oh, no. it's," a, When a lot of times the GMO, the food, the poisons in our own food, just to keep it all, hey, it's fresh, it's new, used by 2017. It looks beautiful. Looks great. All of that stuff, plus all of the medication. Whenever you put medication in your body, there is an equal and opposite. It happens. I mean, it's, you're, you're putting it in to fix this organ or to fix this flaw. It's going to push something else out of the way. We don't, in modern medicine, we don't even think that.
3: Okay. I get your point completely, but then you have outbreaks of contagious diseases and kids dying.
4: I know and it seems like we have an outbreak of Ebola. I mean, disease is going to come. I am not saying that we don't use modern medicine. I am not saying that I'm against all vaccinations. I am saying that we consider the arrogance of doctors and governments jamming needles in our arms and our children's arms and forcing us to
0: do these things. Here's my thing. I'm very torn on this because I believe Glenn Beck to be a smart guy. And it bums me out when he acts like such a fucking idiot.
1: <laughs> right. Be-
0: because he's saying all kinds of just, he's hedging his bets at the beginning of the clip. She starts talking about this and she's, well, you don't believe in vaccinating? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, 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 no, I, you know, I, I vaccinated my kids. I'm just saying that now that my kids are vaccinated, I'm going to create a public terror campaign of misinformation and scare tactics to boost my ratings through mass hysteria. Right. That's what he's doing.
1: Right. It's very disturbing because he also says that he has a little bit of knowledge in this area. You're not a doctor.
0: No, he's he's far from a doctor.
1: Your experience watching your child get a vaccination does not mean that you have experience in this area.
0: And he starts talking about the equal and opposite reaction. That when you put medicine in, something gets pushed out. He He also probably believes that when he has to memorize something, he in turn also has to forget something <laughs> to make room inside of his brain for it. Right. What a fucking moron.
1: So this is disturbing because in California, thousands of children and babies are getting whooping cough. Nearly 8,000 cases have been reported just this year. And 267 of those patients have been hospitalized, 58 requiring intensive care. Yeah. And the personal belief exemptions, they are happening in the rich areas of California. It's not poor people that are not vaccinating their kids it's people that live in marina del rey malibu right
0: well people who are ostensibly educated intelligent wealthy wage earners they are they are making they are in the, they're in they're one percenters
1: right so the region stretching from malibu south to marina del rey and as far inland as la cienega boulevard including santa monica Brentwood, West Hollywood, and Beverly Hills averages 9.1% personal belief exemption levels for preschoolers for this school year, a 26% jump from two years earlier.
0: Which also completely debunks Glenn Beck's entire argument that the government is forcing, forcing these vile substances into our kids' arms. It's, you have a mechanism by which you cannot vaccinate your children that you can damage your children, that you can harm society in general through the personal belief of uh, exemption. So it, it, it's fucking ridiculous because right. we are, we are starting to experience plagues and epidemics that we haven't for years because people used to readily utilize vaccinations. And now we're afraid of it because there are trace amounts of natural occurring substances in these that they use as preservatives.
1: Well, and people are still talking about the autism link and all that as well. But I mean, this is scary because it's kids from exclusive schools, entertainment industry, favored child care centers, preschools and kindergartens that are far more likely to get sick and potentially infect other kids than you know other poor kids in los angeles so it's the rich people that are causing this this problem right and i recently read something that rob schneider had said a couple of years ago regarding vaccines did you know that he's
0: rob rob schneider the
1: goofy comedian
0: okay and what genius thing did he have to say
1: He said, my wife is five months pregnant and I'm for parents' rights, not government coercion to tell us what we can and can't do with our kids. Mm -hmm. There is no other mandated procedure. It's illegal. You can't make people do procedures that they don't want. The parents have to be the ones who make the decisions for what's best for their kids. It can't be the government saying that. It's against the Nuremberg Laws.
0: Tell Adrian Peterson that. The Nuremberg Laws, huh? Nice. Right, which... Policy wonk. Rob Schneider, everybody.
1: <laughs> right. And the Nuremberg Laws are what was in World War II. Yeah. And it said anyone with three or more Jewish grandparents was considered a Jew, and anyone with four German grandparents was considered a German, and everything in between was a crossbreed, and they outlawed intermarriage and kept Jews from participating in civic life. Right. So, so,
0: so vaccinating your kids is akin to Nazism. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, and then he went on to say the doctors are not going to tell you both sides of the issue. Okay, it's because they've seen the science. They're scientists. Right. There's no other other side of the issue.
0: And let's, uh, let's move on. This is going long. Let's wrap it up with...
1: Taken care of biz.
0: Goddamn, I love that intro. Okay, what do you got for us?
1: The scientists at Washington University in St. Louis are taking care of biz (laughs) because they analyzed the DNA of more than 4,000 people with schizophrenia. They matched any gene variations they found in the DNA with study participants' individual symptoms. In doing so, they found several gene clusters that appear to cause eight distinct classes of schizophrenia.
0: That was awesome.
1: So essentially what this is is a huge breakthrough And figuring out what really is going on with schizophrenia. And, I mean, I have a professor in my advanced psychopathology class. I was
0: just going to bring this up.
1: That recently said schizophrenia will be the first of the mental illnesses that is cured.
0: And here we are. A week or ten days after she said that, we were fucking finding groundbreaking study information that's coming forward. That's awesome. Right. Well, it's... It's a mental affliction that is, I, I mean, I can't imagine when we watch that Anderson Cooper, that little special that they did, a 15, 20 minute special that they did, where he's wearing the schizophrenia headphones or whatever. Yeah. That kind of mimic what it's like to be schizophrenic with the voices and all that. It's, I can't imagine. I, it, 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 it's a, it, it's a, it's a living fucking nightmare.
1: Right, and so in the past, scientists have been looking for associations between individual genes and in schizophrenia, but what was missing was the idea that these genes don't act independently. They work in concert to disrupt the brain's structure and function, and that results in the illness. Mm. So that's one of the big main breakthroughs, is it's not just an individual gene.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Taking care of biz.
1: Taking care of biz.
0: Science, once again... Taken care of biz:
1: Oh wait, did I say that scientists did this? No, Pat Robertson was behind uh- us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I don't want to give to- you false information.
0: Totally unexpected and awesome. yeah, science definitely getting it fucking done. So listen, everybody. um, we love you. We really appreciate you listening. Every minute that you spend with us is something that uh we we take to heart, and we uh we love you for it. So you can check out the Amazon.com link on the support the show or Patreon.com slash I Doubt It With Dollamore. We'll talk a little bit more about it. If you have any ideas, if you have any ideas about how, whether it be sticker giveaways or other award packages we could do on that page, I'm all ears. So thank you for listening. We love you very much. For Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been episode 58 of I Doubt It.
1: When I need some snacks, I'm going to get some snacks.